we have been moving step by step on this very precious subject related to Christ being the firstborn son of God through resurrection and our being the many sons of God uh, in Christ. We are being conformed to the image of the firstborn son by the law of the spirit of life operating in us. And the goal of God's economy has always been and always will be the building up of the body of Christ, the church, as the universal corporate expression of the triune God. So this brings us to message five, where we have the goal, because here we have the church as the end point. The subject, sons of God and brothers of Christ, experiencing the firstborn son of God in the church. Messages three and four, uh, I believe in a necessary and beneficial way, there was a stress on our personal experience of being saved in life and of being conformed to the image of the firstborn son. We're not only being transformed in essence, we are being conformed in shape, in practical and outward expression of the inner essence. And surely there is a necessary personal side of this. How can we have a corporate expression of Christ in the church meetings if the brothers and sisters are not gradually being transformed and conformed into the image of Christ and thus are expressing him more and more in their daily living. In other words, in order to have something corporate in the church, we need to have that same thing, real, practical, experiential, in the lives of the saints. So we are all sons of God, and we are all brothers of Christ, and in our fellowship with God the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, we come and we contact them as sons with God the Father and as brothers with the resurrected Christ. This is very personal and affectionate and tender and endearing and loving. But the goal 
is the corporate expression of the triune God. The body of Christ, the universal body of Christ that will consummate and consummate in the new Jerusalem, the eternal, universal, corporate expression of the triune God in all the glorified sons of God who together are the wife of the redeeming God. This will be so marvelous. There will be a new heaven and a new earth as the environment. What a destiny we have as revealed in the word. But obviously we are still in the church age, perhaps nearing the end. And we need the light from the Lord through these verses in Hebrews 2, 10 through 12, concerning our being sons of God, brothers of Christ. But now we are in the church experiencing the firstborn son of God. The more we experience Christ, in our personal daily life and we bring the surplus to the meetings, the more the church meetings are filled with Christ and Christ is expressed. And the more we are in the church life in a living, organic, vital way, then the more we experience Christ personally. So this is a blessed cycle, more personal growth in Christ, more corporate expression in the church, more expression of Christ in the church meetings and service, the more we grow in Christ. So here we're emphasizing the church as the context for the sons of God and the brothers of Christ to really experience the firstborn son of God. Not only have a vision, not only have spiritual understanding, not only have appreciation, but actual experiencing. For this we all need the church. We need all the other brothers and sisters. So with this perspective and with this spirit, we come now to outline five. Roman one, as believers in Christ, we are sons of God the Father and brothers of the firstborn Son of God. And I'd like to have before us um, Hebrews chapter 2, but right now, just verses 
10 and 11. We'll consider verse 12 later. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and through whom are all things, in leading many sons into glory, to make the author of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. We are all out of one, the same source. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brothers. So I read point one and the verses. Now let's look at the details. A, the desire of God's heart is to have many sons for his corporate expression. Let's just muse upon and consider this enlightening statement, the desire of God's heart. All of us know whether or not there are persons in our life to whom we make known the desire of our heart. There may be many believers that not even in their married life do they fully open their heart and make known the desire of their heart. Surely a God-man husband and a God-man wife to a very great extent we should be fully open to each other in this way. I want you to know what's in the depths of my being, the desire of my heart. And just a simple testimony of our faithful forbearing, long-suffering, tender-hearted, faithful God. My dear wife and I both have the same desire in our heart. And that is for our Lord, our bridegroom, to come soon and bring us all to himself in glory and then end the age. This is our heart's desire. We have to live a normal human life outwardly, taking care of all kinds of practical things. Our daily Christian life, personal life with the Lord, our church life, our gospel preaching, our shepherding and being shepherded, 
It's all absolutely necessary. But what is most precious is that little by little, the desire of God's heart is being fulfilled. God has made known to us through his son, the apostle, Hebrews 3.1, and through the apostles, what the desire of his heart is. It's really to get married, for there to be a wedding feast, for there to be an eternal marriage. But in order for this to happen, the Lord must have the components of this corporate person, and they are the sons of God. This is mentioned in Revelation 21 concerning the components, the persons who make up the new Jerusalem as the corporate person. He is my son. One, the many sons are the brothers in Romans 8.29. So please be clear. To the Father, we are sons. To Christ the Son, we are brothers. And we are also the many grains in John 12.24. Two, the sons of God of whom the church is composed, were all predestinated unto sonship even before we were created. Even before. Way before. Ephesians 1.5. This is an eternity past. Before the universe and angels were created. We were predestinated unto sonship. That's our destiny. That predestination, that strong word, God predestinated us unto sonship. This is his goal. This is our destiny. Three, as the chosen ones of God, we have been born of God in our spirit to be his sons. And these verses in the Gospel of John speak of this. Romans 8.16 assures us that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Well, some may ask, why does the word children appear there and not sons? Well, to be a son is to be mature in the divine life through growth. We are children of God immediately by birth. So in Romans 8 and elsewhere, there is this distinction between the children and the sons. 
But all parents, in raising their children, having given birth to them, the goal is that the children don't remain children any longer, but are adult men and women. And of course, adult brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we have been born of God. He is our father. We are his children. But we were born as children to become sons forever. For since we have been born of the spirit in our spirit, we have the spirit of sonship. I think it would be helpful to read that verse. I don't want to trust my memory. I know what it's like to make a little mistake or even a big one by trusting my memory. So I'd like to trust the written word instead. For you have not received a spirit of slavery bringing you into fear again. But you have received a spirit of sonship in which we cry, Abba, Father. We have received a spirit of sonship. It was just given to us through birth, through regeneration. And so in the center of our being, in our mingled spirit, the spirit of life, the divine spirit, mingled with our spirit, has given us the spirit of sonship. Our regenerated human spirit mingled with the life-giving spirit is the spirit of sonship. Deep in our being, our spirit is very much operating and moving toward this, that we would become mature sons, heirs of God, growth in life, yearning to be glorified, in the resurrected Christ when he comes again. Five, the day is coming when our body will be transfigured and we will have the full sonship. So inwardly, through regeneration, one part of our being is the new creation. That's our regenerated spirit. In Romans 8.10, Paul says our spirit is life. And now, by being saved in life, step by step, we are being transformed in our soul so that our spirit will saturate and permeate our soul and Christ will be expressed through our soul. 
But our body is still, as made clear by Paul in Romans, a body of sin and a body of death. And so there's a longing in us to be in the full sonship. And that will require a transfigured body, a resurrected, glorified body. And we will have one. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul was just yearning for this. I want to be out of this dwelling place, my body, into a new one, a transfigured, glorified body. We see the same thing in Song of Songs chapter 8. The lover just is now mature. She's the Shulamite. I want to see you outside the body in transfiguration. Eventually, this will become the yearning in all of us to have full sonship. And that is why Paul in Romans 8 mentions that there's just a kind of struggling, a grieving, a waiting among all of creation for the manifestation of the sons of God. There's this groaning deep within, a waiting for the glorification, the transfiguration of the sons of God. When this happens, Everything changes. A new age begins. And the kingdom of the heavens is manifested on the earth. B, as the sons of God, we are the brothers of Christ, the firstborn son of God. And as I'm reading this, just personally, just spontaneously, I just have a sense, Lord, I need, we need a deeper sense of our being brothers of Christ. Just this realization. Yes, Christ is my Redeemer, my Savior. My Lord, Christ is the head of the body. Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Christ is the Lord of heaven and earth. Yes, he's the all-inclusive one. But he's my brother. My older brother. My big brother. Christ and I are brothers. And this word brothers, mentioned by the Lord in John 20 and many other places by the apostles, that includes all believers, male and female. You don't find verses talking about sisters in this sense. But our mind needs to be renewed that we understand that the word brothers includes all believers just as 
the word bride includes the male spiritual brothers, not just the female spiritual believers. And so all the sister believers are brothers, along with all the brother believers believing. And all of the brothers will be part of the bride as much as the sisters will be the bride. Because when in Christ we are brothers, in Christ will be the bride, in Christ we are the sons. This is the spiritual reality. One, Christ was born to be the firstborn Son of God through his resurrection. And we have been produced to be his brothers. We considered this quite much in some previous messages of this conference. Two, the firstborn son is our elder brother. He takes the lead in everything, and we should follow him. Dear saints, we all have an elder brother. He takes the lead in everything. Even in our having this conference. Even right now in my giving this message, the firstborn son takes the lead. When we pray, he takes the lead. When we are active in our service, he takes the lead. In our gospel preaching and propagation, he takes the lead. In praying and engaging in spiritual warfare, he takes the lead and we should follow. In Revelation 14, the first part, six or seven verses speak of the first fruits, the living overcomers who are raptured. And one of their characteristics is following the Lamb wherever he goes. What a privilege, what a blessing, what an honor, what a supply to follow our elder brother taking the lead in everything. No co-workers take the lead. The firstborn son takes the lead. No elders or responsible brothers in the church take the lead. The elderly firstborn son takes the lead. May this become so real and practical in our personal life and church life. Three, as the brothers of Christ, we have the same life and nature as the firstborn Son of God. 
in my family life, as I was growing up as a boy and then a teenager and then a young adult, I was not just the only son, I was the only child born to my dear father and mother. And I, I had no choice. There's nothing I could do about it. But there were times when I just felt so alone. Almost all of my friends and their families, there are more brothers, there are more sisters. Not only a brother or sister alone. And so I couldn't say I knew what it's really like to have a brother who has the same life and nature as I do. And then when, when I was in Christianity, we didn't address one another as brother or sister. Then I came into the Lord's recovery under the Lord's sovereign grace in 1966. And then I learned that the saints address one another as brother and as sister. And the Lord knew my lack of human experience. He knew my longing. And in his shepherding care for me, glory be to him. He just taught me and made me realize I'm a brother. And this dear one is my brother. We're born of the same father. I'm not alone. I'm not an only one. And this sister here, 30 years older than I, she's my sister. I'm her brother. And I, when I was traveling so much, it may resume to some extent if the sovereign God decides it should be so. In just so many countries, races, languages, cultures, it's not just a word, it's real. All you dear saints in Japan, you are my brothers and sisters. I am your brother. I am Brother Ron. Now, in relation to God, we as brothers of Christ have the same life and nature as the firstborn son has. Isn't this wonderful? that we have such a brother? And surely he is so happy to have so many brothers? What a family we are. Point two, both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. And the Greek literally is saying all out of one, one source. 
So the one who is sanctifying, that's the Lord. And those who are being sanctified, that's us. We are all out of one source. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brothers. In my developing human life, I wouldn't call anyone my brother because we are not out from the same source. I couldn't call anyone sister. I couldn't use that word personally. But now, as brothers of Christ, who are out of the same source of life as the firstborn son, it's not only that we realize we're brothers, the Lord is not ashamed to call us brothers. He will never deny that. We will always be his brothers. He's not ashamed of any of you. He will call you brother with much Divine human affection. My brother. And we know he's the elder brother taking the lead. And our elder brother says, you're my brother. You need to know how to go on in this matter. I'm your elder brother. Just follow me. Just Follow me right now. You're my brother. I'm your brother. I'm taking care of you. I'm guiding you. A, he who sanctifies is Christ as the firstborn son of God. And those who are being sanctified are the believers in Christ as the many sons of God. To say that he and we are all of one refers to the Father as the source. Both the firstborn son and the many sons of God are born of the same Father. Therefore, the firstborn son and the many sons have one source, one life. One nature, one essence. Aren't these ones wonderful? One source. Amen. One life. Amen. One nature and one essence. Amen. Amen. This is real. It's not just a doctrine. This is real. This is what we are in Christ and with Christ in us. Two, because both he, the firstborn son, and we, the many sons, are the same in the divine life and nature, he is not ashamed to call us brothers. Thus, 
In Hebrews 2.12, speaking of Christ, says, I will declare your name to my brothers. And now it's time to reach, to read that whole verse. And even though the second part we'll cover later, saying, I will declare your name to my brothers. In the midst of the church, I will sing hymns of praise to you. And these words, I will declare your name to my brothers, come from Psalm 22, verse 22. In the beginning of Psalm 22, open this way, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? That was the Lord's cry on the cross. Because the first major part of Psalm 22 is about the Lord's death on the cross. Then the second part is about his resurrection. And he is not ashamed to call them brothers. And he will declare the Father's name to his brothers. It's like he's saying, dear brothers, I want you to really know the Father, our source, as I know. When I declare his name to you, I am making known to you his person, his being his attributes, his heart, his will, his purpose, his economy. Because you're my brothers, I want to declare, I want to announce this to you, that you may know him. B, the sanctifier is the one who is bringing many sons into glory. <coughs> Excuse me. We don't know the way to glory, how to get there. But the sanctifier knows. He's not, he's not only sanctifying us, making us the same as God in his holy nature. He is bringing many sons into glory. He is leading us into glory by sanctifying us. The more we are sanctified, the more there is glory in us, that is, God expressing himself. Two, Christ does not sanctify us by adjusting us outwardly, nor by making us conform to certain ex eternal regulations. No. He's not here to adjust us. And he's not trying to conform us. Maybe the word should have been external regulations. That's not his way. His way is to dispense himself into us, to work himself into us, 
to impart his life in nature into us, to permeate and saturate us with his holy nature. Three, he is sanctifying us by being the holy essence within us. He is the sanctifying essence within us. <clears throat> Ephesians 1.4 tells us that before the foundation of the world, God, in Christ, he chose us to be holy. What does it mean to be holy? Holiness is the essence of God. It's his nature. For us to be holy is to be the same as God in his holy nature. With this as the basis, we can understand why there are verses in the New Testament, quoting from the Old Testament, and applying them according to God's New Testament economy, the words like, be holy, even as I am holy. Be holy, even as God is holy. That's to become God. Of course, not in the Godhead, not to be worshipped, but in nature. A, Christ today is the spirit of holiness, the divine essence of holiness, working organically within our being. It's happening right now. We can't see it. We don't need to feel it. We exercise our faith right now. Christ as the spirit of holiness the divine essence of holiness is working organically within our being right now. Hour by hour, day by day. How wonderful this is. We are being sanctified. Be he sanctifies us by saturating us with this holy essence. This involves a process of spiritual metabolism. So he is saturating us with his holy essence. If you've never prayed a simple prayer like this, you may want to pray it at a certain time, not in a formal way, but just in an organic way. Lord, saturate me with your holy essence. Lord, I pray for my everyone in my family. I pray for all the saints in my locality. Lord, now I pray for all the saints in this country. Lord, now the whole earth. Saturate us with your holy essence. Our self, our fallen being, doesn't want this, doesn't like this. 
We say no to that. Already crucified old man. Be quiet. My prayer is, Lord, saturate me. Save me from trying to, me trying to improve myself. You know it doesn't work. No, I'm finally learning that. Saturate with me. And may spiritual metabolism take place inside of me. That's the law of life operating. See, through sanctifying us in this way, he is bringing us the many sons into glory. Because glory is God expressed. And glory follows holiness. Glorification follows sanctification. So the more we are sanctified in the way we're describing, the more our Lord brings us into glory, first inwardly, 2 Corinthians 3.18 We're all being transformed into the same image. Then what's next? From glory to glory. I say again, I hope in the Lord. And I sincerely long in the Lord. There may be Maybe in the year 2023, if the Father wills, I would like to be with you physically, personally, in the meeting hall in Tokyo and whatever other place I am. And I have no doubt I will see more glory. It will have been four years since the last visit in 2019. A lot of sanctifying and leading into glory has been taking place little by little. From glory to glory. He is sanctifying us. He is bringing us. What a wonderful elder brother we have. How he cares for all of his younger brothers. For the sanctifier himself is the sanctifying element that is working within us. He himself is the element. So God does not give us things. He gives us Christ as everything. This wonderful person who is everything. He doesn't give us life as a thing. The Son is life. Christ said, I am the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. He is giving himself to us. He is working himself within us.
Although we may not be conscious of Christ working within us, he is nonetheless working to saturate our being with the sanctifying essence. Most of the time, we don't have... uh, We're not conscious. We're not aware of Christ working within us. We know from Ephesians 3.17, Christ is making his home in our heart through faith. And faith involves unseen things. So we're not looking for feeling or external outward evidence We simply believe Christ is working within us. He is working to saturate us with his sanctifying essence. As I am giving you this message here, the time, my time, is eight minutes before 12 o'clock noon. So I've been awake for many hours now, and I'll be awake for maybe ten and a half hours more. I sincerely believe that hour after hour, the Lord will be sanctifying himself inwardly in me a little more. And surely he's sanctifying you. Right now. We don't have to feel anything. Be aware of it. We just believe the word. It'll be layer by layer. And part by part. He is permeating us. With himself. This is how God works. He's thorough. He is exact. He is precise. He is detailed. His way of working in us is organic. So it is gradual. I've never tried to make a, an artificial flower. And I really don't don't recall ever planting seeds for a certain flower. But at least I understand the difference. Someone could make an artificial uh, flower, let's say, uh, you know, a rose, an artificial one. Someone can teach you And now in a maybe an hour, look, I have a rose, but it's not real. But if you have one to have a living roses, you have to have a a rose bush planted. And then nothing seems to be going on. You just see the branches and the twigs. And now you see some buds but there's no flower, then eventually the buds blossom. There's the rose. 
That's how it is. The Lord is working layer by layer and part by part, permeating us with himself. Just let him do what he is an expert at doing. Permeate you with himself, little by little, day by day, layer by layer, part by part. Concerning layer, he will eventually go to the deepest part of our being, to the depths of our natural God-created disposition and constitution. And every part of it will be permeated with himself. And now we have two sections related to the actual and practical church life. Three, the first part of chapter 2, verse 12. I will declare your name to my brothers. And we still need this. We should desire this. When he says, I will, that settles it. He will. Declare your name to my brothers. A, the firstborn son, declared the father's name after his resurrection from the dead when he met with the father's sons. And here we have John 20. The resurrected Christ appears. In resurrection, it's the resurrected Christ who declares the Father's name. Be in the church today. The firstborn son declares the Father's name to his brothers. If someone were to ask me, Brother Ron, how is the Father doing this? I cannot answer. Our Father God knows how, when, what. I simply believe the Bible. Our Lord, the firstborn Son, in the church, is declaring the Father's name to, to all his brothers. On our part, we need to Turn our heart to the Lord to be open, to exercise, to have a longing to know him. I believe many of you can join me in what I'm about to say. You, you just, the Lord has brought you to a certain stage in your life with him. And you just realize, Lord, I, I, have know, I have known much about you. I need to know you. I need to know you. And Job prayed something like this in chapter 42 of Job. 
I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear. Now my eye sees you. Eventually, we will all have this longing. Lord, I can't be satisfied with doctrine, not even with objective truth. I'm longing for reality. Lord, make the Father known to me. So I can really say, as the Apostle John did in 1 John 1, 3, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. See, because the Father is the source of our life and nature as children of God, to declare the name of the Father is to show the brothers of Christ the source of their life and nature as regenerated children of God. The Lord knows how deeply we need this to know the source of our life, the source. That is why in certain aspects of both our human life and our Christian life, we pray to the Father that we need to recognize and realize our Father God is the source of my life as a child of God. There's no other source. I worship my source. I sing praise to my source. I honor my source. I testify concerning the source. The Father is the source of our life and the source of our nature as generated children of God. We have the life and nature of God the Father. Because he, our Father, is our source, the source of our life and nature. Point D, to us, God is no longer merely the creating God. He is also the begetting God. Father. There are millions of people throughout the earth today who would be able to say, I'm not an atheist. Uh, I believe there's a God. I really believe that this universe and the earth and all of us, this is not an accident. God created it all. I, I do believe there's a God. 
But there are millions, maybe billions of people who uh, know, know the creating God a little bit. But they haven't been born again. They haven't been regenerated. They do not know the begetting Father. Very significant that in John 20, when the Lord is speaking to Mary, there at the site of the tomb, he said, I ascend to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. This is the firstborn son speaking. My Father is your Father. My God is your God. And the Apostles uses use this expression a number of times, Father God, or God our Father. He is the creating God. But he is not only the creating God to us, he's the begetting Father. He not only created me, Based upon his son redeeming me, you have begotten me. How wonderful, how blessed we are. Point four. In the midst of the church, I will sing hymns of praise to you. And who is the I here? The I is the resurrected Christ, the firstborn son, the sanctifier, the one who is declaring the Father's name to us. In the midst of the church, I will sing hymns of praise to you in the midst of the church. In every meeting, especially meeting on the Lord's Day for the breaking of bread, for the Lord's Supper. Surely, but in the prayer meetings, in the gospel meetings, in all the group meetings and vital companions meeting, Christ must and will be in the midst. Matthew 20, Matthew 18, two or three are gathered together into my name. And then he says, I will sing hymns of praise to you. But if we would just try to listen with our physical ear, we just hear the brothers and sisters singing. Well, let me share this as I'm drawing this to an end. Has there not been a time in a particular Lord's Table meeting that after we have the section on remembering the Lord, praising the Lord, then we break the bread and partake and partake of the cup then there's a turn inwardly 
Because now the indwelling Christ, the firstborn Son of God, is leading us to worship the Father. On that evening, where he had that meal with the apostles, eventually only 11 remained there. The betrayer left. They, they kept the feast. Then he said, I establish a new covenant to you. Then they sang a hymn. Surely they sang a hymn to God the Father. The Lord himself is singing with them. This was outward in that upper room. But now in the church, in the midst, he is singing hymns of praise to the Father. Well, do you have any memory of being in a Lord's Table meeting that was quite uplifted in life? But now after the elements have been passed and participated in, and we are now worshiping the Father, singing. Has there been a time where inwardly you have the sense we are not the only ones singing praise to the Father? Christ is in us singing, in our singing. And I think more than once, maybe two and three times, only God knows. Just for a moment, I just stopped my own singing and listened with much inner exercise to the saints singing. And there's just the sense. There's another person, the resurrected indwelling Christ, singing in our singing. How I long, and so many other saints long, to be in such meetings week after week, that this aspect of our church life will be real. A, this is the firstborn son's praising of the Father within the Father's sons in the church meetings. In the meetings. How we long for meetings, not on Zoom, in meeting places, meetings, church meetings. The firstborn sons praising the Father, but then the Father's sons in the church meetings. When we, the sons of God, meet as the church and praise the Father, the firstborn son praises the Father in our praising. And please notice the verb here is praise. Praise, not just pray. And not just repeat lines from a hymn. But we are praising our Father, thanking our Father, giving glory to our Father. We have so much to thank Him for, to praise Him for. 
the wonderful being and person he is. He sent his son to die for us. We, we have been begotten of him. We have his life in nature. Father, we love you. We exalt you. We glorify you. We praise you. You are the great I am. The son and we have the same father. You are our father. We are your sons praising you. And you can hear your son praising in our praising. The Lord is longing. The Father is waiting for such worshipers, <clears throat> for such meetings. May the Lord have such church meetings all over the earth. Every week until the end of this age. One, it is not that he praises the Father apart from us alone. Rather, he praises within us and with us through our praising. In our singing, he sings hymns of praise to the Father. In our singing, he sings hymns of praise. May the Lord renew, uplift, develop our singing. May it not be the singing like in a denomination, some kind of formal way. Lord, resurrect and uplift, perfect and develop our singing hymns of praise. Praise to the Father. Three, the more we sing to the Father, the more we enjoy his presence, his moving, his anointing, and his life imparting within us. As a result, we will grow in him and be brought into glory. As I bring this conference message and this conference from my part to the end, I'd like to read point three again. The more we sing to the Father, oh dear saints, may we sing more to the Father. The more we sing to the Father, the more we enjoy his presence. We can't see him, but we love him. We believe in him. And we, we not only sense his presence, we enjoy his presence. We enjoy his moving. How the Father is moving to care for us and supply us, to train us. We enjoy his anointing. We enjoy his life imparting within us. Our Father is doing all of this. As Christ, his Son, is praising, singing of hymns of praise in our praising. The result, we will grow in him and be brought into glory. My beloved brothers and sisters,
the blessing that has been bestowed upon us by our Father God is beyond our ability to understand and to describe. But we just end with the realization we are sons of God. We are brothers of Christ. And we are experiencing the firstborn son of God in our personal life and in the church. And the firstborn son is declaring the father's name to us. And the firstborn son is singing hymns of praise in our singing. And as ours and his singing take place, we have the deep realization. We are on our way to glory. We are being sanctified. And we are being led into glory. Praise the Lord. Praise God our Father. Glory be to God. Glory be to the Son. Glory be to the Spirit. Glory to the three in one. Amen. Hallelujah.